Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And before we jump into today's case, which is coming to you from Amber, um, I wanted to remind you guys that we have a basket giveaway and it's going to have some cool ass shit. Oh my it. gosh, so many things. We're talking merch, we're talking booze, we're talking gift cards. It's going to be worth it. We're just asking if whatever platform you're listening on, if you could just um, give us a review. Because that helps the platform, the podcast platform that we publish to, it helps show other um, people like, hey, here's some stuff you're, yeah. you're interested in. And these people have good reviews. So should we give them an example of an amazing review? We could. We could. Do you want to pull one up? Oh, let's, let's do it. Do that. Actually, it's our, th- I like this one was our last reviewer. And I don't know if, the, uh, judging by the name, I think it's a woman because mm. it's Mrs. as mm-hmm. her little her little uh, screen name. It says, I am currently re-listening because I can't get enough. That's amazing. The ladies are hilarious. Amber's yons and laugh are contagious. Yons. I agree. Your laugh is beautiful. Thank Char- you. Charnel's voices kill me. I listen at work and often laugh out loud. Love it when people say that. Mm-hmm. I've recommended this podcast to everyone and know my mom and sister are hooked. Thanks, ladies, for your take on these cases. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Review. I love that. That That's was amazing. such a good review. Not only does it just brighten our day, but it does help the podcast platform know that we don't totally suck all the time and that people might enjoy listening to us. So we are are happy to do this drawing and what we'll do at the end of July is um, post the person's screen name that they mm-hmm. tag name. I'm so bad at this. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And then you um, you guys can contact us via email for your name and address, and we will send you off the goodies. If you don't love us, uh, first of all. We uh, forgive you. Yeah. I also kind of want to know why not. But yeah, I would, li- I would like an explanation. But send that to us in an email. I mean, you're welcome to post, you know, hey, reviews are as they are. Like, we're not, we are not above criticism. But just don't be a dick because nobody likes that. No, they don't. Has time for that stuff. So, yeah. So, we just want to like remind you guys that we've got that giveaway going on. And to do that, should, should you want to take a moment to do that, that would be great. Much appreciated, and it will be worth it for that basket. Definitely. This week is a full Amber week. I let her pick her own theme, you guys. So much Amber this week. I love it, and I actually don't know what your theme is. I don't know what your case is. I am like a listener right now. You are. Just in the dark, waiting waiting for you to talk murder to me. So... Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready for this? Give it to me. I'm just going to sip some wine and sit on back. Hopefully say more than okay. Every. Mm (laughs) Okay. Throw one of those in there. Okay. Mm Okay. I can do that. So this week, my cases are actually pretty close by us. I have one in our home state. Okay. And I have one in Indiana. Interesting. Which is not far it's but a stone's throw. 
just cast a stone and you're there. As the crow flies. Yes. yes. So my theme is small town secrets. What? Mm-hmm. And I so, love it, and it's terrifying at the same it? it's time. It's catchy. It's eerie. It's it is. It's only eerie if you live in a small town, such as we so do. We do, yeah. So small. It's so tiny. And okay, so both of the cases that I picked, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, they're unsolved. I would say mm-hmm. the one I'm going to bring to you today. I mean, you be the judge at the end, but it's a little bit more like solved-ish. solved ish. Solved, not solved. Solved, not solved. Okay, and you'll understand what I mean by that as we okay. get into it. Um, but the other one definitely unsolved. So, uh, but they're both small town, and um, yeah, that's my theme: small town secrets I this week. It. I love it, and I hate it at the same time. Our town is so small that when I forgot something and had to drive back to your house, it took me exactly seven minutes yeah. to get there across back. town. Mm-hmm. That was across town. Mm-hmm. Just to give y'all some perspective. Sorry. So we're we're diving in. So the case that I'm going to start with today, it's it's our Michigan case. The more that I dig into Michigan, the more I'm kind of becoming disappointed. We've had several cases now. We, uh, ha- we have Greg- had Gregory Green, the Uber killer. Yep. I'm taking a break at, after this from Michigan. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Tahiti's nice. We need this some time, time apart. Yes. <laughs> the case I'm going to tell you about today it's the Robeson family. And this case is known as the Robeson family murders or the Goodhart murders. Oh. So. What's a Goodhart? So Goodhart is the town that I'm going to um, tell you about the where the case takes place. The murders take place in the little town of Goodhart. There's a Goodhart, Michigan? There is a Goodhart. I had no idea. Of and course, I've heard of Colon, Michigan, but I've never heard of Goodhart. Yes. <laughs> Goodhart, it sounds like a delightful little town. It really is mm-hmm. on the total opposite end, just like in our bodies, right? It really, <laughs> it really is. Colon's not too far from us, so okay. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to break the mitten out. Um, okay. I, ha- I know it's backwards, but if you look right about your ring finger, uh, that, okay. it's up by... It's on the coast of Lake Michigan. Oh, so it's at the tip of your ring. It's finger. at the tip, and okay. it's I love the tip. Yep, it's on the coast of Lake Michigan. It's a tiny little mm. town. So it really is on the opposite end of Colon. It is <laughs> literally. Listen, whoever named these two cities, the I- irony is not lost on me. No, it's we appreciate it actually. Because yep. if you're using the mitten, Colon down by your wrist mm-hmm. in Michigan, <laughs> it really is perfect. So when we're talking small town, we're talking small town. In 2018, the census reported about 590 people in good heart. Oh, my goodness. So we're talking, you know, a very little, very, you know, I, I feel like it's a lot like other towns that you see on the coast. You drive through, there's like a general store, there's yes. a gas station, yeah. and that's about it. This you is stop like and your, get a souvenir. Your one case that had like 400 and some people. The Skidmore. Skidmore. Mm-hmm. How could I forget? God, yep. that's a great name. So, yeah, this is, it's a very little town, but it's also a very beautiful town because we're talking like the lake shores. Absolutely. If you have not been onto the coasts of Michigan, you are missing out. It's Oh, it's about one of my favorite things. Okay, so I'm going to take you right straight in. Like, we're going to plow. Plow into me, Amber. I'm ready. In All right. With aggression. <laughs> <laughs> it's summer of 1968. Almost 1969. You almost, almost had me there. Almost is the summer. We could have said the summer of 69, mm-hmm. but we can't because it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, so it's July in Michigan. Like we it know is what right now. Yeah, literally about the same time. So it's a hot July summer. We're talking hot girl summer. And 
It is. We know Michigan in July. Humid. Yes. It's very hot and sticky. Makes for a pretty moist undercarriage, if I if I may. It sure does, and you may because we have, and we know that. Yes, that hot undercarriage. That's right. And it is it eerily. This this takes place about the same exact time of the year as we have right now. So, it's kind of easy to set the scene. Okay. So off the waters, the breeze is blowing just right, and there is a smell coming off of the lake. Oh no! Now let me explain. So Goodhart although small, is a great place for camping, all the Michigan things that we love to do. Mm-hmm. So there's some cabins around the lake shore, which would be beautiful, yes. obviously. That you can rent. Usually VRBO has plenty. Mm-hmm. So there's some cabins. Airbnbs. And so the wind is blowing off the water, which, you know, that could be a heavy breeze. And mm-hmm. so every so often there is a, a smell of something. So there's some ladies in one of the cabins that keep smelling something and they couldn't put their finger on it what it was but it was something of a decaying pungent odor i do not like where this is going yeah so actually the one of the books that i listened to for this for this podcast it's called when evil came to good heart about this case so the smell was described by these ladies as picnic meat forgotten too long in the sun oh no (sighs) i'm just saying (laughs) Can you say that again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that was amazing that you could make the same sound twice. It was almost like a re- pre-recorded. It was. And just so you know, I didn't do that during editing. That was all natural. You're so, talented. Thank you. So it was a really super strong smell. It was obviously something of death, but they weren't really sure what it was at yeah. the time. Gladys Moore. So she was the person that was renting the cabin. Uh, beside the one that they maybe thought they smelled something coming from. Okay. Um, and so Gladys was hosting a weekend for for her girls, and they were going to play bridge. Oh. They had these, I think they did it every year. It is 1968. It is. And so I they would have it. like a girls weekend on the lake, and they would play bridge. And Amazing. so Gladys would come up, and she actually lived in cold water from what? Oh. No yeah. shit. Cold water. What? We know where that I is. I know. And so she would come up from her house in cold water, get the cabin ready, clean it, oh. prep it. I have to say that's the purest thing because when we go to our family's cabin, we don't go play bridge. No. No. Well, now we do. So <laughs> I'm going to have to throw out some bridge and Get those invitations out. Someone teach me how to play bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so the friends are there for the weekend. This is a big thing. They all do it. Yeah, once and a year, everyone looks forward to it. This year, this the smell was so bad coming from the other cabin and in that area that all of her friends end up leaving early. They oh, could not take no. it. They're like, sorry, Gladys. Yeah. We're done. We're done here. Bridge, not even bridge is worth this. No. So they end up leaving because it was so strong in the hot sun. Oh, poor Gladys. Gladys is not happy. I bet not. Um, She's not having it. And so she contacts the property manager. As one should. And and so property manager, his name is Monty Bliss. What? Which doesn't that sound like a, a movie, I some kind of movie name? I love that. It does. So Monty Bliss, he's like the cabin maintenance person. Okay. And he... Um, he is notified of the smell. And so he comes to assess the situation. And when he arrives, he he was confident that it was some kind of maybe dead animal. 
sure some kind of raccoon or a raccoon it's gotta be a raccoon this met its ultimate demise under the cabin or something yeah he's certain there's some kind of like a vermin around that's died either under the cabin and you know got in it could even be a deer Mm -hmm. i mean you just don't know so he walks around the perimeter he does a quick sweep doesn't really see anything nothing dead or you know rotting yeah so no okay. obvious signs to the smell. Yeah, no obvious signs. He's not finding a source. So as he approaches the cabin, he notices there's a leather strap that it lifted the door, or I'm sorry, the metal bar that latches the door. Oh, okay. And it was pulled to the inside. So there was no easy way to actually open oh. the door from the outside. And then so he tried to look in some of the windows, but there were drapes that were closed. He couldn't see in any of the windows. He walks around the back of the cabin. Um, where it face, faces the lakeside, and the door was also latched and locked. So he's not able to get in the cabin, and he goes to get some tools and a coworker to go help him because they obviously they realize they're going to have to use some tools to get inside the cabin. So upon entry, um, they finally pry the door open, and they hear the buzzing of flies immediately. Oh, no. Countless numbers of flies and the smell oh i bet it just slept them across the face like i believe it like clotheslined them yes right over yep so they've obviously found the source of where the smell is coming from it's inside the cabin you know interestingly enough i i did hear on another podcast that the sound of flies and maggots actually sounds like pearls rubbing together Oh, gosh. And, and people have mistaken it for someone rubbing pearls together and then come upon a dead body. So, you know, just... Oh, wow. Fun fact. Like maggots moving around or yes. something? Oh, my and gosh. And the noises that they make while they're eating, because there's so many of them while they're doing their job. Yes, yes. So wow. That's I, a fun I, fact. If I had to know it, so did all of you. That is really disturbing. And I know. I'm sorry. Gives me creepy crawlies. I did not mean to be so morbid. Take a sip now, everyone. Yeah, I think I will. So when, when they step in, so after they discover the flies and the smell, um, they step in and they immediately see a woman's bare legs that are sticking out of a blanket. Mm. And she has one beige shoe still on, a high heel shoe. And the other one is like off on a chair. On a chair? Yeah. Which is odd. So she has one shoe on. I don't know why that's eerie to me. It is. It's just a shoe on a chair where well, it doesn't belong is it, eerie to me. It suggests that somebody like picked it up it and put it there. there for some reason. Yeah. So in the hallway behind the woman, there was like a bluish haze. So it was hard to see anything further. And it was hard to go in because of the smell. Certainly. Like yeah. once that door opened, mm-hmm. it was so overwhelming. It was hard to walk in. Yeah. So I don't, I wouldn't, there's no way. No, I wouldn't either. I, I wouldn't for any amount of money. That would have been enough for me. Yep. And it was for them too, because they didn't go any further and they decided it was time to call the law. Sure. So at that point, the two of them, they leave the cabin and they go contact the police. So Monty reported that there was a body in the cabin and it looked like it had been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they, he said they didn't go further in, but he thought there might you know, there's a chance there could be more. Yeah. When I think of the haze, I'm thinking like, like you could see the stench. I don't know. I know. I was wondering what that was too. Is it all the flies? I, it could be because it's described as a bluish haze. Right. So obviously right. it was light reflecting off from their little bodies and their wings. Maybe. Oh. So anyway, they insert sideshow Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right yes. That's where it's got to go. So they, they 
they tell the police, like, listen, we didn't, you know, we didn't check this out, but you might want to, you know, get here quickly. You might want to check it out. You might want to. I'm not getting paid to do that. So Monty met the police and showed them where the cabin was. Now, the police in these areas, we mentioned Goodhart is a population of 590. They are not used to getting a call that they found there was a dead body found. Do they have a deputy? They have, they have like, you know, a very small police force, I think it's safe to say. They're used to like drunken disorderly. Yeah. Some domestics. Yeah. A little domestic. Absolutely. Not a homicide. So this was a big deal and the gossip spread very quickly. Over the police radio, everybody heard this and- Oh, police radios. Yes. The good old police radio. And this cracks me up. So- as soon as word got out, everybody wanted to to be there on the scene. Oh, my gosh. Three more sheriffs, the local prosecutor, a local reporter, the Mackinac City police chief, and a local parole officer all headed over to the crime scene A PO officer? Yeah. It's just like, hey. Like, hey, well, I'll go. Let me jump in, guys. I'm on my lunch. Yep. So, Okay. So this was a big deal. I would like to envision them all in one vehicle as well. Like, like a they're van. just piling they in. Just, Come on, boys. We got a hot one. And Let's I, go. And I don't know if that's true, right. but that's in my head. That's what happened. But those are the seven people that showed up but one they way wanted or to see it. So yeah, so this paints the picture also of how many people were at this crime scene. You know, oh, there's tons yeah. of people that showed up and wanted to see it. So they all go in. And they all have feet. Probably trampling all over it, right? Yes. (laughs) And so they all go, you know, they decide to go in to check out the the cabin. Upon entry, the men hear the the flies, obviously, Mm because there's just thousands of them. I don't know how you ever unhear that after you've heard it. And there was also the sound of a furnace clicking on and off in the distance, which... In July? This is July. When I read that, I was like... Ew. No. So if that just that just adds to like there's some heat that was enclosed in the cabin, permeating with the, mm-hmm. with the death at this point in time. If if I really stop and think about this scene, it makes me physically mm-hmm. ill. There's parts mm-hmm. in here just a heads up that made me like half made to your stomach pause. turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh. So they used a flashlight to cut through the darkness because there was, I'm assuming there was no power because it's it was really dark in the cabin. And they don't mm-hmm. mention turning lights on or anything. I could be wrong, but they were using a flashlight to look around okay, that's at that That's even time. creepier that it's right. Because I've been picturing this at like high noon. I, you know, I think it was in the daylight, but when, when they went the in. the cabin itself is so dark. Super you dark. said the drapes were drawn. Yep. Of course, they're not going to touch anything at this point in time. Correct. Okay. Oh, creep factor. So when they go in... To the left of the doorway, they saw the grown woman with her legs exposed. She was covered in a, a plaid blanket. And like I said, she had one high heel shoe on. Okay. And one was placed on a chair. Underneath the blanket, she had a lime-colored dress on, and it had been pulled up to her waist. And her underclothes, as they were described, I'm assuming like a slip or yeah. and or underwear. Maybe pantyhose even. They were pulled down to her ankles. Oh. So as they walked on down the hallway, like in the actual hallway, there were three more bodies, a man, a boy, and a younger girl. They were piled on top of one another. A man, they a were like boy, stacked up, y- stacked up on one another. Mm-hmm. No, can you imagine small town like walking into no. this? Like I can't imagine the like a shish kebab of human. Uh huh. With babies? No. In a doorway. So they went, you know, they walk on, they see this in the hallway, and then a doorway to the back bedroom as they're 
you know, mm-hmm. continuing down the hall. In in the entryway of that back bedroom doorway, there's a teenage boy <sighs> that's crumpled on the floor, and this hurts. My, this hurt my heart. He was gripping a few playing cards, <gasps> still gripping them, and then there was other cards um, on the floor around him. Like, like he was he'd playing been a interrupted game, interrupted playing a family game at the yeah. cabin. We I just did that last weekend with my family. Mm-hmm. Not even shitting you. It really just gives you the scenario oh of my God. what happened. Yes, and how suddenly it must have happened. And he was, like, crumpled up. So no. I'm guessing he was maybe sitting on the floor already. Yeah. Because the position, it sounds like he was, like, hunched, kind of hunched mm-hmm. over. So in the room, like, beyond that boy, so in the back of that same room, they found another teenager that was dead on the floor. Stop it. I know. Why it's do so you keep sad. throwing dead people at <laughs> There's me? There's so many. So oh, this, my gosh, This Amber. teenager, this was a, a boy. His arms were stretched above his head like he was reaching for something or someone, like reaching, oh. um, reaching out. You are killing me. So thankfully that's the last one, but still that's, Okay, I mean, that's enough. That's too many. Mm-hmm. When I said talk murder to me, I didn't mean six times over. Yeah, you, you didn't know what you were in for, I did, did you? not. In a small little town in Michigan. Yeah. This is, oh. Smaller than ours. So that's where it's and so like, hard to believe. We have a family cabin. We do this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I am picturing this all too familiarly. Familiar? Probably because you were just up there. It was, yeah. It's like, it's a fresh, like it could happen to anybody, oh you know. God. So they come back out into the main room, like the main living room area. And so they, in the center of the room, they see an object, and it caught the undersheriff's um, attention, undersheriff Bossmore. And so now he, that you've made mention to a uh, moist undercarriage, I, that's all I can hear when you say undersheriff. Ah, undercarriage. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, I get it. So just just the sheriff from his, now on, if you will. <laughs> his undercarriage was probably pretty. Oh, that poor man. As well. That poor man. Yeah. I mean, they're in a hot cabin with the furnace on in July and the flies. And the, oh. oh. So he sees this object that's in the center of the room, and mm-hmm. he wants to know what it is. And so, it, like I said, it's dark; he can't see it. So he goes to the kitchen, grabs a paper towel. He goes back in and picks it up with the paper towel, takes it back outside. Um, because it is daylight at that time. They discover that it was a bloody claw hammer, Mm-mm. like one of the arched, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-mm. one of the ones. I mean, I know what you're talking about. I'm saying, uh-uh, I don't yeah, like, want to no, accept no, no. this information. No, I do not accept this. <laughs> Just so we're rejecting know. it and we're throwing it back. We are, we are. So the, so the officers at that point, because the smell was so bad, I mean, obviously they're going to yeah. have to go in there and listen. As someone who does home visits, sometimes a little Vicks vapor rub right up your nostrils will take care of things. There's not enough Vicks in the world to handle this nope. situation. You could pack it up your nose, and I don't think it would have helped. No, no. They could have the put the whole, whole factory up there, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have made a difference. So they decide they're going to break the windows out of the cabin sure. to allow, allow some. Please. We need some breathing. Yeah. You know, some air. Fresh air. So they And to some... let the flies out. Oh, yeah. Like flies. My gracious. Gotta go. And, oh, you know, it didn't talk about the maggots, but I I think one could assume. Where there's flies, there's maggots. You you can't have yeah. one without the other. Yeah. So I'm there, sure they'd. Just so you guys know, if you're ever interested, there is an actual body farm that does um, research studies on the different insects that arrive at different states of decomp. And that is actually one of the ways that medical examiners determine how long a body has been in the environment that it's been in based on the different bugs that are found on the body. Well, would you look so, at that? Now you know. That's actually really fascinating. Yeah. 
It really is once you like really get into it. I don't. I fell down a rabbit hole one day. I found my way out. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. But it was that is really interesting. It, I'll have to check it out. Maybe we could do an episode on it someday. Maybe. Okay, so back to this cabin of okay. death. Yes. Um. So they knocked the windows out, and as they're doing that, they they realize when they had originally went in, they missed a note that was taped to. Um, one of the windows and when they when they take it off the window they they see what it says it's a very short note and all it says is we will be back seven to ten robeson and so i feel like it's implying that they were going somewhere for a week to ten days yeah but they would be back because this is 1968 and we could leave notes like that because we didn't have texting and all the technology of today yeah you didn't you couldn't just be like hey you know texting be back soon or anything, so they left a good old-fashioned note. Yeah. Beside beside the note, there was a crack in the glass and bullet holes oh, shit. around it, which just makes it hmm. a little creepy. So police counted a total of six bodies if you hadn't done the count already. I was putting my fingers up. I had the count. I the, don't like that. Yeah, the bodies were soon discovered to be an entire family, which, as oh. I mentioned, that... It, it is the Robeson family I that was that's murdered. I that's where we were going. Okay. I'm going to apologize in advance because I naturally want to say Robinson. Oh, I feel like I hear Robinson when yep. you're saying Robeson. So okay. if you catch it, I'm sorry. I've been trying to like put it in my head. It's Robeson. Did your autocorrect make it Robinson too? Because mine does oh, yeah. that to me all the time. Also, I had seen that Mrs. Robinson was a hit that summer in 1968. No, so now I'm kidding. like Robinson. So. Hey, Mrs. Robinson. That's the one. Okay. All yeah. right. Apologize if I do accidentally say it. I've been trying to get it right. Okay. You've, you haven't so far, but oh, I good. can see. So it was obvious that, I mean, no questions asked. This was a murder. When investigators started digging, you know, when they pieced some of the, the timelines together, they discovered that the bodies had been sitting in the cabin for about 27 days. Oh, no. No good. Through a hot no. Michigan summer. No. Hate that. Uh-huh. Oh, my So gracious. that gives you an oh, idea. Oh, poor Gladys. Oh. No wonder why her friends <laughs> left. And from what I had read, Gladys was looking for a reason to sell that cabin. So when this happened, she's like, no, she, I'm done. She got it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Maintenance isn't keeping up. The smell is horrible. My friends left. I am done with this cabin. The forever. murder of the whole family next yeah. to me. Yeah. T- that pushed me over the edge. Sure. Sure. I have standards. <laughs> I am done with this. I'm going back to cold water. Right. So I'm going to tell you the names of the family. These were the victims that were slain. Richard Robeson, he was 42 years old. Mm. He also went by Dick. Of course. So So if you refer to him as Dick Robinson, it's the same guy. Yes. Shirley Robeson, she was 40. Young. Richie Robeson, who I'm sure was named after his father. Sure. Um, He was 19. Gary Robeson was 17. Randy Robeson was 12. And Susie Robeson... The, the only girl. They had three boys and then got a girl. They got a girl. And from what it sounds like, they were super excited about that. And so she was only seven years old. <gasps> Amber. It's so sad. Let's just stop the podcast. It's and that's, just, that's it. We're done. And we're done. It's tragic and sad and people suck. You, you get the gist of it. Have a good night, folks. <laughs> oh, so I'm no. going to tell you a little bit about the family. Okay. Now that I've ripped her soul yeah, out. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, so the Robesons, they were a top-notch family. They were very well off. A freaking course. I mean, they were going to their cabin for the summers. Yeah. I mean, they had money. They were a Lutheran family, and they lived in a suburb of Detroit. Oh, okay. 
Richard Robeson was really successful. He had his own business. He founded a company called R.C. Robeson and Associates. And the company, uh, they formulated advertising campaigns for smaller businesses around the area. And Richard also loved him some art. And so he had like a really successful art magazine that he published. Okay. So So he was a little fancy. Anything else, Dick, that you can do? Well, wow. So Dick on the surface looked pretty squeaky clean. (laughs) (laughs) As we appreciate them. Do look. I get it. We love us a squeaky clean dick. We do. We do. Should probably edit that out. <laughs> Please don't make me edit that out. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Robeson, they'd been married over 20 years. Oh, wow. You know those pictures back in the day when you see, like, the perfect family? The mom's, like, dressed up with the curled hair. And Absolutely. Dad's in a suit. Like, they were that family. She has a beautiful quaff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her quaff was on point. Yes, it's the 60s. I uh-huh. imagine it is. So, yeah, they had, I mean, on the surface, they looked like a great family. And they had been spending summers in Goodhart for about 12 years. Wow. So they okay. loved so them some Goodhart. I, and Goodhart must have known them. Yes. Then. Yes. And uh, I will get into a little bit of it, but uh, they knew Monty Bliss really well, the cabinet, you know, the cabinet, <laughs> <laughs> the cabin maintenance guy. Yeah. So, yeah, they were, they were kind of known in the area. You keep saying on the surface, though, so I feel like there's something under the surface. I think you're onto something. Stay tuned. Okay. All right. So the summer of 1968 was actually the first summer that the family was going to stay the whole summer in Goodhart. They usually would come for about three weeks, but this summer they were going to stay for three months. Oh, wow. Because Dick had had a good year. His business was making some money. He was super successful, and so they were celebrating. Oh, great. They were taking a summer. Yeah, I love to celebrate a successful dick. <laughs> As do I, Charnel. Yeah, absolutely. And Good so, for them. Yeah, I was jealous when I, I read this, and actually I started to write that and must have gotten distracted, and I wrote, I am jello. <laughs> so... <laughs> What flavor? But I'm going to go with a lime. Okay. Uh, good choice. Good choice. But yeah, that's, I, I mean, jello. to have a whole summer with your I'm, family, yes. that's a beautiful. I'm jello too. That is amazing. And they were excited about this. They were planning, you know, walks on the beach, marshmallows, yeah. roasting on the fire. All the amazing. All the amazing. All the all amazing. The amazing. <laughs> so, okay. So despite their, their plans for the summer to be there all three months and do all of the things, they were only there about eight days. No. So they really had just gotten to the cabin. Shut your face. I know. Can you give me any good news? Um, Murderer couldn't even have given them a summer? Yeah, yeah. they did not have much of one at all. So they, they arrived around June 16th at the cabin. Okay. The, the kids had just gotten out of school, so they headed you know, right to the lake. They probably had a kick-ass boat, too. Uh, you know, they probably right did. There if they're on the ca- lake. that cabin. Mm-hmm. That, would make, that would make sense. So when the police were investigating and looking around, they noticed there were two cars, really nice cars, parked in the driveway to the cabin. There were bullet holes through some of the windows, and the troopers took note of there were bloody footprints all around. There were drag marks. I don't, I'm guessing that the, the killers stacked the bodies up. I don't, I mean, they weren't obviously naturally fallen that way. Of course not. Not sure what the so intention the, was. I was going to ask that. 
And the drag marks are, these are inside the cabin? Inside the cabin. Okay, because we went from talking about the cars to yep, then. Sorry. Okay, Just a you. whole general, like, this is kind of what they saw. All right. So the only thing on the outside is that the door has some, in the panes, has some bullet holes, and then their car vehicles have some bullet holes. Mm-hmm. And some of the windows around the cabin. Around the cabin. Okay. Have bullet holes. Interesting that the neighbors didn't notice, but at the same token, where our family cabin is... I, I don't know that the neighbors would really poke around and notice because mm-hmm. people aren't there all the time. So it's just one well, of those up north things. I'm going to get into that just a little bit. Oh, because okay. So when, you know, the police arrived, they had questions about some things. Yeah. So they, Monty, obviously, Monty's like the go-to. Like he's hanging around answering he's questions. He's the maintenance man. All yep. the maintenance men are the go-to men. Yeah. He's, he's the one that like, you know, I'm going to hold down the fort. Yeah. I know what's going on. This is my territory. So the the first um, the first question the police have are how did this happen, and these bodies stayed here a month and nobody noticed. Days. So and also, how did they not notice the smell? Yeah. Other than Gladys complaining, like how right. did this happen? Right. And everybody's like, well, Gladys complains about everything, yeah, so we just like kind of just ignore Gladys. It. It's fine. Right. Well, Monty had some answers, and I, and I will give it to him. They're legit answers. Um, Mon- Monty said that, so unfortunately, about a month prior to all of this happening, he had lost his own teenage son to a motorcycle accident. No. Oh, my gosh. Will I you know. shut up? There's so much going on Why? in this case. And he found the body no! of his own son. Amber. I know. I know. It's so, so sad. So, so he had had that happen. Like I said, um, Richard, the Robesons knew Monty. I mean, they yeah, were, they'd been coming years. there for years. So Richard Robeson had stopped by to give his condolences to Monty. Okay. And he had told Richard, or I'm sorry. And he told Monty that the family, here's some money for flowers. We offer our, you know, condolences to you, but we can't go to the funeral because we're leaving. So the, the family was actually going to leave the cabin and head to Florida and Kentucky so they were going on vacation from their vacation oh. for a couple of weeks. Okay, well, that's goals. That is absolutely goals. Wow. So so they were like, you know, here's an extra key in case anything happens, which he didn't obviously use the key. I was going to say, hold on a minute. He went and got tools. So maybe he forgot about the key. I don't know. But I saw about, oh. like, I hey. saw that they'd given the key. He had to pry the door open. And honestly, maybe... He did forget about the key mm-hmm. in this situation because he was given it when he was grieving. Yeah. His own son. That's true. You're not remembering a lot. Oh, poor Monty Bliss. I know. I'm glad I it didn't. It is so sad. I'm glad I didn't make an offhanded comment about his life being bliss because that's the worst thing that could happen to anyone. So not only did he discover this, you know, well, he only saw one of the bodies, but he's but, still there. Okay. The, enough is enough. Please tell me the rest of his life was amazing. We're going to assume it is. Okay. Because how many people passed away can you find in one lifetime no there's so so much loss in this so monty he said you know the family was leaving yeah. and and richard had told told me that so i you know didn't think much of Which it when they were gone the note on the door seven yeah. to ten days yep and so he was like you know i didn't really question them being gone well the police also wondered okay so there's two nice vehicles in the the drive and they've obviously been sitting here for quite a while what's up with that Right why did you think they're gone when their vehicles are there And Monty's like well the the family has a private plane that they use for their trips sometimes so oh, they could have shit. taken their plane There's some legitimate But how did they get to their plane 
Did they want? Well, he did say that, like, sometimes a family friend would drop them off at the airport or, you know, that kind of thing. So he didn't really question. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, when you got the money, you you can do it all. Okay. Monty was like, yes, I I did see the bullet holes in the windows, and I was going to get around to fixing it, but I thought it was just some riffraff around the... Certainly. Kids shooting. And and really, I wasn't going to, f- I'm a maintenance man. I'm not going to fix it till someone bitches about it. That was the only part where I'm like, all right, Monty, you, you <laughs> saw the bullet holes. So he probably could have discovered the body sooner, but well, yeah. You know. So he'd obviously been around, but he didn't think anything of the once, vehicles. Once it was put on his honeydew list, then he'd fix it. Yep. Not a moment sooner. Other than the bullet hole thing. But I get it too, because it's small town and I mean, I don't know that in even in our town, if I would have seen a bullet hole through a window, I would automatically think like, oh my gosh, there's somebody dead was people killed. inside. No, maybe now that we do a podcast, but before, but bef- probably not. Before the, when I was more innocent, I wouldn't have thought that. But Yeah, because now I drive by a raccoon and I'm like, who murdered that? So there's something that was documented in the investigation report that I wanted to mention just because it, again, just paints the picture of this crime scene and how gruesome it was. In the documented report from one of the investigators, they said that as the evening was setting in, one of the men noticed some black smoke coming out of the the cabin. Oh, no. And it's it was kind of like small puffs at first, but then it turned into like really dark black, like bigger puffs of smoke. So they thought the cabin was on fire at first, and so they rushed in to see yeah. what was going on. And it was actually way worse than the cabin being on fire. Oh, God. Amber, what are you about to wreck me with? It's pretty disturbing, just a heads up. Okay. So the the smoke that was coming through the windows, it was actually from the furnace that was that was on. And the furnace was described as a floor-hung type, which I wasn't familiar with that. But basically, the furnace was under some of the bodies. What? And so, there, oh, Amber. So there was particles at that point of flesh falling off the bodies, and it was hitting the Stop furnace. It. Stop it! And essentially, like grilling. The essentially, yes. Amber, I am not going to lie. I had to pause at that point because I felt a little ill. I was like, "Oh, that's a lot." Oh. So that was the the smoke was when those particles were falling off. You know how sometimes we have meetings before we podcast? Mm -hmm. That would have been a good thing to mention to me before we (laughs) podcast. You know what? Now that you mention it, I probably should have. My God, girl. Okay. So troopers from East Lansing were brought down for this investigation. Oh, sure. I think it was a lot. Like state troopers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a lot for good heart. Mm -hmm. Yep, MSP all the way. I know we have some MSP listeners. We love you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. So the troopers, when they got there, it was very obvious they're looking at an old crime scene. Like we had mentioned before, there had been about 15 to 20 people stomping through there. Yeah. A lot had happened. A lot had changed the original scene. Definitely. But the goal that they had was trying to piece together a beginning, a middle, and an end of what had happened that, you know, the night of the murders. So the men, they found some other things as they're looking around. They found a half of a box of twenty-two caliber rifle cartridges. And that actually turned out to belong to the Robeson family because they had a rifle of their own. Sure. And so they did, I, I don't know if it was hunting or shooting or whatever, but right. those, so those belong to the family. However, they found other 
bullets and casings in the home. There were four twenty-five caliber bullets, uh, oh. the fired uh, shells. Yep. And so there were 11, there, and I don't know guns very well, but they describe them as 11 spent twenty-two caliber shell casings. I'm assuming those are like as oh they've been. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Fired. Yes. That is after it's been fired. Yep. Yeah. And so, a twenty-two is a rifle. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they found. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Cool, cool. <laughs> 15 shots fired altogether that did not belong to the family's gun. Okay. And so those were the shots that had been used in the murders. So between so. the murders, the door, and the... the 15 uh, rounds altogether. Vehicles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what they discovered is that part of the shots were likely fired from a handgun, and then the shell casings, as you mentioned, it was from the rifle. Okay. They immediately suspected either A, there were two people... That yeah, each had that's a weapon, what I was going to say. Or one person had two weapons, which I'm not sure the rhyme or reason on, on that, but those were the two theories. Well, one. and one is a pistol, so you absolutely could have one connected to your hip while you're carrying the rifle. Mm-hmm. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just seems a little overload, but all yeah. right. So there were no traces of weapons, they, but they did find the shell casings at the scene. Okay. Just a little side note, too, about all of this. So when... They had to take the bodies out to perform the autopsies. So they originally took the bodies to the hospital locally to have these performed. Well, unfortunately, the bodies were too... Um, decomposed? Decomposed, yes. That's a good word to, to use to complete the autopsies at the hospital. Okay. So they couldn't do it there. But obviously, autopsies had to be performed. Interesting. So what they did is they used the good old Emmett County Fairgrounds to complete their autopsies. Shut up. I like, wish I could. Like the 4-H barn? Like the good old, um, oh, I wish it was the 4-H barn, but unfortunately it was the chicken coop that oh they my God. decided to make a makeshift morgue, and that's where the doctor performed the sure, autopsies. Sure, because the chicken coop already smells like shit. Right. Just so like, you know, this, is the, this the, one's in the worst condition. Chicken coop, chicken poop is the worst. I gotta give them credit though, because it's like they had to, they had to think outside the box. It's like, yeah. well, we need to know what happened, and we can't use the actual hospital. Chicken coop, it chicken. is. You know where I think is a great place for this setup? A chicken coop. The chicken coop. So that's wow. what they did, and so the doctor performed all of the auto- autopsies, and it was just determined that. All six bodies, the cause of death was gunshots to the head. So they all had okay rounds Aww. fired into the head. Sadly, the you know, we mentioned that claw hammer. Yeah. Um, Susie, the little girl. Shut up. Uh-uh. She was the one that had the, the injuries to her head with the claw hammer. No. Now, her cause of death was from the gunshots. So I, oh you know. Oh, my God. So why both? I know. I know. It's so sad. And. I'm assuming it was before she died. I don't know. They didn't mention that, but I mean. So this makes me believe even more that there's two people because it's like I can easily take the seven-year-old out with the hammer while you shoot these other people. And then, oh, wait, the hammer didn't do it. Shoot her too. Yeah. It really does make you wonder because there's six people all together. Yeah, that's a lot of people to apprehend. Unless you are a hitman that knows what you're doing. Okay. Going in there and just, you know, getting the job done. That's a lot of people to take out on it your is. own. And I guess the only way that you could do it single-handedly is as a parent if you threatened one of the children. And then it would it would paralyze the parents yeah. of from attacking. 
Yeah. Because their child's life is, is it in danger? I, I don't know. I agree. So I yeah, that's know. the speculation of, you know, it's crazy. Cause there was various weapons used in this murder. And now Michigan people, when you walk around the Emmett County fairgrounds, go into that chicken coop, say a little prayer. Please talk to Jesus. For sure. You go You'll in there. probably be the only people that have ever prayed in a chicken coop, <laughs> yeah. but there you go. Yep. Yeah, that I wanted to mention that that's, I mean, that's what that's they had very to do. Interesting. Great for them though, to think outside of the coop and At to least do they, it. Yeah. They did the autopsies. I mean, they or did more what they like had to. Think outside of the morgue and get it done. Yeah. Good job. So the question became who would want to do this to the to family? To a whole family. I mean, this was a top-notch family, as we mentioned. Well off. Yeah. Vacationed in the summer. Four children. Well known in the community. Richard Robeson was like a, you know, on the surface, looked at as a pretty successful man. Yeah. So two of the the detectives that were assigned to this case that were brought down, um, their names were Lloyd Stearns and John Fliss. They were actually made specifically... Like, this is your case. And so their other cases were assigned to other detectives. Oh, okay. They're this like, you have you one job. In. Oh, yeah. great. You're working the Robeson case, yeah. and, like, that's your mission. We're clearing your caseload. Here you go. So they were able to put together a little bit of a timeline of what they are pretty sure happened. Um, so I'm going to read you from the time of arrival what yeah. they think happened. So on June 16th, the family travels to the cottage from their home. The kids are out of school. So they head over to Lake Michigan. Um, they're there for a couple days, and then on June 23rd, Shirley's mother calls the cottage because they had a phone in the, the cabin yeah. of some kind. So they've been there a week. Yep. Shirley's mom said that they reported they're having a great time, everything's good. She said they didn't mention leaving for this trip at all. Um, oh, that, the Kentucky-Florida trip? Yeah, the Kentucky-Florida okay. trip. She didn't. She said they didn't mention it, but they were having fun and everything seemed fine. So on June 24th, the family goes shopping in Petoskey. They return um, and they find find out about Monty's son that he was killed okay. in the accident that day, and then Richard goes down to offer his condolences. So then the next day on June twenty fifth, they have some tree trimmers come to the house. Uh, the tree trimmer's name was Russell Fig, and he arrives outside the house and he begins you know the work that they were contracted, contracted to, to do. do. Yeah, I think he had a couple other workers with him maybe. One or two. Oh, definitely. So they're they're doing their job. Um, around 4 p.m., they leave with a check. Richard gives them a check. They go home. And then around 8 or 9 p.m., um, that night, the neighbors reported that they were hearing, they heard gunshots. Oh, my gosh. So. So neighbors heard. The neighbors these. heard. Okay. Yeah, they heard some gunshots, but I, I'm guessing they didn't. Okay. In northern Michigan, you guys, that's not unusual. This, in southern Michigan, it's yeah. not unusual. I mean, really. I hear them all the time. I know. So, and you, I don't think anything you of You do it. realize that you live next, like, really close to a shooting range, though. You know, I didn't. For the college. I didn't know that, but now that explains a lot. Yeah. Like, my kids. Because I hear them all the time. My kids are on the trap shooting team. Like, uh-huh. they, they shoot out there just, like. I don't know, half a mile down from your house. Well, that makes all the sense So now. you hear a lot of gunshots. I they're, do. It's just clay discs that they're shooting, though, honey. You're okay. Now I have <laughs> answers. But see, that's, I mean, like, we don't think anything no. of it. This Mm-mm. cabin, this area was described as highly wooded. and Yeah. So I don't know that the neighbors really questioned much at that time. Yeah. And you can just shoot for fun, too. I mean, right. really. So then around, so on June 26th, Fig returned to complete his work with the trees. There was some things left to do. 
And he said it didn't look like anybody was home, so he finished his job and he left. Yeah. It's really oh eerie gosh. to think when he was there, the family, the family was, dead. was dead. Because I by just, that time, they're gone. I just realized that. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. I know. He did all that work walking around the cabin and, oh. Yeah. We're going to go back to, to Richard Robeson a little bit. You remember I said yeah. on the surface, it looked like he was pretty squeaky clean. He was a squeaky clean dick on the he surface. He was, but apparently Dick was a little slippery uh, behind the scenes. A slippery dick can cause some problems. It, it really kind of can be a dangerous situation. <laughs> sure can. So <laughs> turns out that Dick was a little bit... Um, corrupt behind the closed doors okay and um let me also say that when the detectives started to look into this and look into the the who like who would do this why the rest of the family they really are squeaky clean like there's no motive that they can piece together with Shirley or any of the kids Shirley's just raising her four babies yep she's got she's like homemaker very wholesome the kids are good kids i'm picturing her in a dress and pearls you know that's probably a fair assumption like the heels on making dinner of course the whole shebang pantyhose yep yep so much classier than how than my tank top and sports bra that i cook dinner in. i look like a troll when i cook dinner (laughs) like literally a troll and so yeah they're like we there's nothing we cannot connect any motive to anybody that would do this because of the children or okay. Shirley. But and when they start to look at Richard. Into successful Richard. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they start to find some things okay. um, that they really didn't know before. And so as the investigators start to ask some coworkers, Richard wasn't described as wonderful as, you know, maybe other people in his life described him as. Because okay. from what I've read, Richard kind of had two roles going on or maybe even more than that he was a family guy and so you know with the family he was very devoted very hands-on like family oriented Mm -hmm. you know that kind of guy but he wasn't that way at work he wasn't that nice family guy at work Uh he was actually described as a little bit like multiple personality like he'd be really nice but then he'd also be very cold and almost a bully to people okay so when the detectives are investigating that they didn't get the impression that he was very well liked in his business and he treated people pretty badly yeah um one of the co-workers that or the workers he had said that richard either really liked you and would do anything for you or he despised you and he would do anything to bring you down oh shit so they're like okay dick's not as good of a guy as what we maybe thought he's either a really good dick or he's a really bad dick yeah okay (laughs) two sides of this of dick going on here and there is two sides to every dick, so I get it. You know, something you are right on that. Good observation, Charnel. I just had to There's say too it. Many, too many fun avenues with, with Dick Robeson What's here. Name? Dick Robeson. What are we not going to take them? For I mean, sure. I'm to. sorry. And also, he kind it sounds like he kind of brought this about himself, so yeah. I almost don't feel bad. I feel bad for his family. I do too. And so, another thing that they had started to discover is that. Um, Richard was making money, but there was no paper documentation of the money and uh, no. uh, where it was going. And, oh, no. you know, some of the employees had in cars and, it, you know, there was no paper trail to anything that okay. this business was running. Yeah. So they immediately start to raise an eyebrow of mm-hmm. what's Dick doing You're over here? You're a sneaky here? dick. Yeah. Okay. What, what you doing over here? 
So they really shifted the focus to, okay, if there's a motive here, it's with him and yeah. and with his work because yeah. the family life was on the surface, like the like picture said, perfect, picture perfect, nothing. You okay. know? So they didn't really, I mean, it was obvious that he didn't do this to his family. There was no, you know, nothing there. So either it was a random senseless act that somebody just happened to show up and do this, or there's some kind of motive with his job. Mm-hmm. And so those were the two theories that they had at this point. Detectives did polygraph multiple people surrounding. Um, they, they did polygraph the neighbors. They polygraphed a couple of the coworkers or, you know, that worked with. Sure. With him at the business. They they did polygraph Monty. Oh, Monty. Poor he Monty. went through so much that summer. I know. He was just trying to help and assess, you know, do his maintenance oh, job. Monty. Monty got cleared. There was nothing, you know, he had nothing to do with any okay. of this. Yeah. The the tree trimmer, um, they questioned him oh, as well. Um, he actually felt really guilty about because he did have that moment of Realizing he was there yeah. when this had happened and wondering, were they, was anybody still alive? Could I have done anything? Right. No, they weren't, honey. They, oh. So they Survivor's were. Survivor's guilt is so terrible. I know. And it would be hard to find that out. Like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I was actually there around the house when this had happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right after it had happened. The surrounding, like the neighbors and Monty, I mean, they were cleared. They couldn't find any connections there. No motive. Yeah. But there was one person that worked with. Richard that they started to hone in on because there was a little bit of suspicion, you know, with some of the things that as they're questioning, um, he was kind of sticking out like a sore thumb as they started digging into this. So his name was Joseph R. Scalero the third. Uh-uh. Lots of names. You never trust a man with multiple names like that. You really that. can't. Um, he was 30 years old and he was supposed to be holding down the fort while Richard was gone with his family. So is he a part of the R.C. Robinson and Associates? He is. He's the associate. So, and he was, yeah, he is just the ass, associates part. Ass for short, okay. And so he was actually described as Richard's right-hand man. So the right-hand man strokes, strokes the dick. I literally paused because <laughs> I thought I was almost going to go there too. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm sorry, when nope. we have someone named it's, Dick and he's not a really good person and then you talk about a right-hand man, how can we not he, stay true to ourselves and <laughs> mention it? Joe was um, Dick's right-hand man okay. for sure. All right. So he, you know, was supposed to be holding down the fort, but as they start digging into things, there's speculation that Joseph Scalero had been embezzling some money from the company. The company's already looking shady anyway, so they're like, really? okay, he's, I'm not sure how they discovered it, but there's, it, it sounds like that Richard was also starting to, or had just discovered maybe that Joseph was doing this. Okay. So this is all kind of unfolding as as Richard goes on vacation with his family. So I'm, hmm, I'm assuming that timing was a little suspicious. Just, just a little bit. And there's speculation that Scalero had embezzled around $60,000 total. So, I mean, this is... Okay, so this is 1968. Let's pause and look this up. Okay, that is over $400,000 today. That's Damn near 500000 Even the 60000 is like, I mean, that's still a lot. That is a lot. I would be mad. But in equivalence to today, that would be nearly half a million dollars that he embezzled from the company. So, as you can see, I mean, he is just sticking out 
like a sore thumb at this I'd point say as that a primary that suspect. That thumb is quite sore and infected and possibly <laughs> pussing. Pulsating. Yeah. Right now. Oh, Lord. And so they really start to hone in and focus on him. And so they start to um, investigate. One of the big indicators that made him look suspicious is that nobody had heard from him for more than 12 hours during the um, day mm. of the murders. So Imagine he was gone. that. And it would be about a four-hour drive, three mm-hmm. to three and a half to four-hour drive from where they lived, Detroit. Yep. From Detroit to So that's Good an all-day trip. Mm-hmm. And nobody had heard from him. He had some alibis, but they didn't check out. They all fizzled. You know, they didn't hold to be true. Yes. So, and it sounds like he, there was multiple stories that he told, and none of them checked out. So sure. they're like, all right, we don't believe you. Um, so the other thing that they had found is he had purchased guns that matched the description oh of the murder weapons. Both of them. Both of them? Yep. So forensic uh, testing had shown that the twenty five caliber, they, they describe it as a jet fire automatic Beretta pistol. Ooh, a Beretta. Um, he had that in his possession, and he also had a twenty two caliber AR-7 Armalite <laughs> semi-automatic rifle oh imagine that and so those were both you know they found the shell casings they they matched both dude he didn't even get rid of the murder weapons he did not i take that back because he did he did try to get rid of the the murder weapons and he had all the stories in the world like oh well you know i didn't i didn't have this it was the neighbors blah 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 and one of the neighbors actually went because they questioned a neighbor had said, like, no, he did have that gun. but th- So they didn't actually find the guns, but what they ended up doing was he liked to shoot his guns, and so they went to a shooting range that he had used, and they found, like, you know, where he had been shooting, they found matching you okay. know, shell casings, casings to both of those weapons. Okay. And so they were able to piece that together. Okay. To that they had belonged that he to had him. those guns. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because then, he tried to deny that he had right. them. And the neighbor's and like, no, no, he did like, have these no guns. Like, no, literally saw him with these guns. Yes. Yep. So, so lots of lies okay. coming out of him. I do not like what's coming out of Scalero at all. No, he's got a lot of... There's some nasty secretions. Yes, he's secreting some really gross things right now. And so they did. They tested the shells that they had found, and they checked out to match the weapons that Imagine were used that. in mm-hmm. the murder. So, okay, screaming red flags. Absolutely. You've got embezzlement. You've got the murder weapons. So remember, You have no alibi. No, zero alibi. And remember I said that there was some bloody footprints at the scene. Yes. Well, they tested, and I will mention they tested various, you know, some of the other people that they, they questioned mm-hmm. their footprints as well to match. You know, they looked at shoes. And so Scalero wasn't the only one that they had looked at for sure. sh- for the shoes, but they did actually find a pair of boots that matched the boots that were used at the crime scene. The problem was this was a brand spanking new pair of boots, so there was nothing on them. They were never worn. And they were at Scalero's place? And they were place? at his, his place. What? However, Scalero, what they discovered is he loved to have two of everything. He had two... You don't of the say. same suits. He had two of the same guns. He was big into guns, so mm-hmm. like he would have two of the same guns. He would have two, you know, of the same jackets. Like he liked to have things in twos. So, I mean, pretty good indicator that there may have been another pair of boots, right? But that they, when he wore them for the murders, was like, dang, these are supportive, and they really 
they really are quite getting me another pair. Yeah, they support my high arches. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm gonna get ready to sacrifice one. these. Yeah, so they, we got rid of that pair, and he had a backup yeah. pair. Yeah, they never found the bloodied boots, mm-hmm. and you know, but they found another pair of the same boots. Right? So. Come on, that's not a question. I mean, you know, as the the turtle in Kung Fu Panda says, there are no accidents. So as far as the investigators are concerned at this point, they they have their guy. And they also did a, the lie detectors. I don't know if I mentioned, but they polygraphed no. several people in this case. Um, the ones. Oh, you, you know, did for Monty. Did they, they polygraph yeah. Scalero? They, they polygraphed Scalero. And as we know, you can't use that in court. But they they did two on him and he failed both of them. Oh, really? He's the only one that failed. The others mm. passed theirs. Odd. Mm. Isn't that mm. a shocker? Okay. <laughs> okay. So they decide at this point, this is a slam dunk. They have everything they need. We have no alibi. We have a double bought pair of the murder shoes. We have the fact that he had the murder weapons. Mm -hmm. We have the embezzlement. And now the two failed polygraphs, which I know we can't use in court, but it gives us the right direction. It's a pretty good, I mean. It's it's a key indicator, as we'll say in our field, a key indicator. So they have all this stuff, and so they decide, like, we're going to go for this. Yeah. The investigators, they put together a 200-page report asking for Emmett County to charge Scalera with these murders. Definitely. But they don't. Um, so the Wait. prosecution. What? Yes, it, it, you you should choke no over this because what? So the prosecution unfortunately looked at this two hundred page report and they decided it really wasn't a slam dunk. And you know if they didn't think they could nail him one hundred percent, you know with all of the certainty that they they didn't want to pursue it, so they didn't. I'm sorry, do they need 201 pages? Uh, yeah, they're like, we just need one more page. What? So they didn't decide to charge him with this. So they, they didn't feel like they had enough. Um, in other words, they didn't have enough resources. I th- I really think, and that they bring that up actually in in the book and some of the articles that there really wasn't a lot of money. And they, you know, unless they were 100% sure, which I mean, it's in my eyes, they have enough, but unless they were 100% sure and sure they, they didn't, didn't want to spend want the to money on a this. trial because mm-hmm. they didn't have it right and you so. can't be tried for the same crime twice so so they decided to not to it. do it okay i don't i'm so i will try not to judge i wasn't even alive yet <sighs> i know it's a tough one though it's like really what more mm. would you need but so they decide you know it's it's a no go and nothing happens for a while however in 1973 yes several years go by well, nothing on. happens this case goes dormant for Five quite a years. few years. Yes. And then in 1973, Oakland County, which is where the family was from. Yes. Familiar like, with Oakland County. We're going to do Clowney. this. Clowney. <laughs> Oakland, Oakland County. <laughs> so there, the Oakland County is like, we're going to pursue this ourselves. You know, we're going to okay. try to get something done here. And we're going to start digging and, you know, really try to go after this guy. Okay. Because with everything. we have the resources. We're Oakland County, dang it. Yep. And, I mean, with everything surrounding him already, yeah. they're like, we're going to try to really get him. Because so they, tr- they do. Okay. Like, they put together their own case, and they're really going to, they're going for it. Did they, he ever face any criminal charges for the embezzlement that they found? So, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to sit patiently. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. There's so much going on with this guy. So, Joseph Scalero in 1973 had a lot going on because they were going to move in on him. They were going to charge him. They had enough. Well, Joseph got word of this, and, um, you know, I don't know how he actually 
did, if he knew they were coming for him, because they were coming for him. Well, I'm sure between all the questioning, they would have been getting all of his tax yep. stuff. I mean, he would be aware that they're onto him. And he also and he knows a, he's done a bad, bad thing. Yeah, he also knows he, he's got a lot of other things going on at this time. He was being investigated for the embezzlement. He owed a ton of people money. Um, they had started oh. to... Even after embezzling all that money? Yeah, it sounds like he, he owed like spending it on cocaine and I, strippers. I really want to know what he was spending all this money on. In my world, those must be the two like most expensive <laughs> things. Old, yeah, those are the all top two things that I could think of that would cost <laughs> money. Cocaine and strippers. <laughs> they were confiscating all of his assets to his business assets and he you know, he was I think he was gonna go down for something. Yeah. They they were really starting to, you know, build yep. a case against him. And so he, at that time, decides that he um, cannot deal with this any longer, and he commits suicide. Oh, no. Yeah. He, um, there was a 911 call that had come in. I'm not sure who made the call, but that Joseph Scalero had ended his life. Joe Sclo. And no. yeah, he used this, uh, ironically, he used the 25 caliber Beretta, the same mm. gun that was used in the mm. Robin, or I did it. The same gun that was used in the Robeson. It took you an hour, but you did it. Yeah, I almost made it. So unfortunately, you know, he he ended his life, and he had left a note on the scene, and he this is a little bit of what the note said. I didn't include all of it, but so at the beginning of the note, he said, "I am a liar. I am a cheat, but I am not a killer." And at the end of the note, he said, "P.S. I did not kill the Robesons." Hmm. So he did not admit to anything before his death. But did he hire someone to kill the Robeson? And that's where Robeson. the question, that is the question I think that has, is still unanswered. Because in his, you know. Because you know. there's still, I mean, he, there's definitely, I think it's it's safe to say there's no question he was involved in some way. Definitely. You know. But I mean, what did he do? Hire someone and be like, here's my guns and my boots? But exactly. Sorry. So that's where, was there another person involved? He was there and they're the ones that did the actual killing and he just stood by the little weasel. Yeah. So there's, those are things that we, there's no answer. Do we have information? Well, if he was his right hand man, I bet little Joe Sklo had been to the family cabin. I think it's safe to assume. And if he was the right hand man, if he hadn't been to the cabin, he surely knew where it was. You know, like this is where we'll be staying if. Yeah, anything if you happens. Need me, yeah, it's mm-hmm. my big big company that's making all this money. He knew so, right yeah, where. Yeah, so that was the was. other link of like he knew where the family would be yeah. and confident of that. And you know, like I said, there's speculation that this was a two man job, but yeah. there's never been anyone else ever linked to this okay. crime. Unfortunately, no one was ever tried, yeah. charged, found guilty wow. in this case. Um, Richard, so this is solved, unsolved. It is solved, unsolved. Like that's what now. Did, does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's like we're pretty sure we know someone that was yes. involved or did this, but he he yep. committed suicide, and we'll yep. never we know the answers. Know. And he wasn't willing to give it in his suicide. Note. Yeah, and then that threw everyone for a loop too, because it's like you know sometimes people confess when they did yeah. something, and you know if they do in their lives, and he did not do it's that. Not gonna. So if he did it, he took it to his grave with him. It doesn't mean to me just because he didn't include it and he tried to still deny it that he didn't do it. I agree with that. I do. Um, I think he knew one way or another he was going down if it wasn't for that, which I think he was going to go down for Mm -hmm. that. I mean, Oakland County really, you know, they were going to get it done. And if he didn't, he still had all of those embezzlement charges and all of that stuff that they were 
Right, had him on, and he knew they had him on. So um, Richard Smith, he was the prosecutor at the time. This is another piece. I'm just throwing it in. Is this another dick? Um, It is another dick. He he was the prosecutor for Emmett County at this time. He was the one that showed up at the scene with, you know, the crime scene. Yeah, yeah, in the mystery machine. So I'd also seen on one of the – I watched a news clip on this where he talked about his experience with the case – and he had decided just prior to all of this happening happening that he wasn't going to run uh, for prosecutor again, and he was going to be done with that. I don't know. I don't know that he was retiring because I think he was still young at that time, but yeah. he wasn't going to be the prosecutor anymore. Okay. So I'm not saying, but I'm saying um, he knew he was going to be not be the one to try that case. Yeah. Um, and okay. so, like I said, after they didn't. Pursue the charges, that case in Emmett County just went dead. Wow. And so I don't know if that's why, but I can't help but think that had a piece in. It had an influence. Yeah, everything has an influence. Sure. Good case. Yeah. Tragic. um, Horrible case. It it really is. And Richard Smith, he said, you know, in in his perspective, all of the evidence was circumstantial, and they didn't feel like they had enough factual things to to really – Hone in on. You can see my I don't face. Know. I yeah. mean, the audience can't, but you can totally. They're probably see. looking the they, same way. They can hear me rolling my eyes. Do you hear that? Yep, I hear it right yep, now. There it goes. Yeah, that was his defense of like, listen, we didn't have the factual information, but I think really it boiled down to money. Mm-hmm. He was leaving. Mm-hmm. It all kind of happened at the same, you know, mm-hmm. same time. So nothing was ever pursued, and this case is unsolved still today. Many people consider this to be an unprosecuted crime rather than an unsolved uh, crime. Yeah. But then there's Oh, that's the, a good way to put it. It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then the, there's the other part that, well, there could be somebody out there that was involved. This was 45 years ago or yes. more. But there could have been somebody else. And yep. I think it's still, you know, I'm on the fence with that. I, I think it would be a lot for I mean, if it was one f- person to do. Yeah. But not impossible. I mean, this was a wholesome family that also, wasn't. Um, take this back. That was not 45 years ago, just so you know. Carry the two longer than that. Longer than 45 <laughs> years ago. Oh, you know why I said 45 years? Because I watched a news clip around that time. Oh, about okay. It. Got you. And the clip that I'd watched at the 45-year mark, it, it said that there's still a detective assigned to this case that every year, I mean, they make sure that someone's assigned and that this keeps active, and they still have tips come in. And this was, you no know. No shit. Yeah, they still have tips from locals that are still following this case and trying to hey, solve it. Hey, okay. There was a guy um, at the time, the detective, it was J.L. Sumter, and he uh, he had inherited the case. And he seemed really optimistic that they were going to solve it, but then I never saw anything else after that. Mm-hmm. So it's still a cold case, and it's never been oh. it's never been solved. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy that I didn't in our own that state. I, well, yeah, and I vacation up there all the time, and like have never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's crazy. The cabin is no longer there. Okay, um, they. I think because oh, of this God. happening. I mean, who is going to want to stay in that oh, cabin? Thank you. Other than ghost hunters or yes, trophy hunters. Trof- yeah, somebody coming to see the. I'm sure people came to see the crime scene. Of course, you know, of and course. So they eventually they took it down, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, that's the story of the Goodhart murders in our own home state. Please tell me you have a brain bath prepared for I us to do. help us feel secure in our home state again. 
All right. So I actually have a brain bath that might be my favorite of all times. It is, it's disturbing. I'm not going to lie, but it's also just really, it's just really something. So I'm going to read it to you. So our headline for this brain bath is, and I quote, a woman was arrested for allegedly putting Easter eggs full of porn in people's mailboxes. What? You heard that correctly. Did you say a woman? Yes, I did. Okay, I am intrigued. Tell so me. So let me give you the details of this uh, this venture. So one resident told police that they found a plastic Easter egg in their mailbox that contained, and I quote, a cracker in the shape of a fish. A goldfish cracker. Okay. One, one sheet of toilet paper and pornographic images. Just in case you get hungry and messy while you look at your porn. You get a snack, you get a cleanup, you get a picture. What I more mean, could you, get you want? All. And an Easter egg. And there was, a, I'm sorry, I forgot to, to mention there was a powdered drink as well. And I'm not oh. sure what that was. Well, you but know. But she did include need, the, the beverage. You need your energy after all that. You really do. I'm hoping it was a strong Gatorade or Powerade, something like that. Her, <laughs> Yeah, one of those little dissolving packs for yes. your water. Yes, that's it. Get your electrolytes. I'm convinced. You could get dehydrated after this after this project. Yeah. It's so here's well, the mind I'm mind-blowing hearing thing. how thoughtful this woman is, she, really. Really, I mean, look out Easter Bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Step up your game. Jelly beans and some Cadbury eggs. I don't <laughs> think so. Here comes porn toilet paper, a Powerade, and a goldfish cracker. Easter Bunny's got nothing on that. Uh-uh. She delivered 400 eggs. Stop it. How efficient she is that? She really is the Easter. She's the porn bunny. When I read oh, how many that she. And not she, like the Playboy ones. Like. Yeah, like the legit like one. Like a legit. Oh, do you want to see? Bunny. Her name's Abril Castoni. Abril? Uh, yep. And this is Abril. This is <gasps> the deliverer. Oh my God. She's deliverer. grandma. She is. Amber. I was not expecting that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not far off from this woman's age, and I was expecting, I mean, she. Okay, if you're not far she's off. She's lived. From her age, then that means I'm not either. She's How? lived a full life. Oh, I thought she was a grandma. Yeah, she looks a little. For the um, record, we are not grandmothers. We're nowhere no, near close to being not. grandmothers. Grandmothers are wonderful, but, but yeah, we are not them. That's oh. Abril, and she delivered 400 okay. um, Easter eggs okay. with. April is ambitious. She really is. I I don't know how long that had to have taken, but she must have been just booking it. She wasn't on a power wheels. No, she she was not. So she was, and and probably not hopping either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really went to town. You know what's funny? What if she was actually a mail lady, and so she was just leaving it when she was dropping her mail off? You know what? On her on her postal route. You might be onto something. I don't know. That could be kind of funny. But that's your brain bath for today. That's that's Avril. I love it. That's one of my favorites. I, you know, some people might find this offensive, but I appreciate that if she's going to give people unsolicited porn, that she also give them a snack, a way to clean up, and some electrolytes. That's, yeah, she did. did I the feel whole like thing. she's thoughtful. 
the only and people part I'm are like, ungrateful. I'm hoping frankly. the kids didn't find these. That's like the oh only. God. I'm like, shame on you, Abril, for that. Well, the good news at my house, they never would because no one no checks one the, the effing <laughs> mail at this point. Maybe she knew that. Like, kids aren't going to check the mail. It's Trust fine. me. If porn, if porn, if there was ever a way that a porn egg would be in our mail, the five men that live in my house would check the mail a lot more <laughs> often. Right. But since that's not the case, it's me that always gets stuck with that job. You would have found the egg. She claimed that she was educating people. That was her explanation. Actually, this is an idea. I might plant an egg in my own mailbox, tell everyone about it, so then from now on, they get the damn mail. I am sensing a teaching moment here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Well, there you have it. Thank you for that. Uh, Hey, guys, follow us on social media. Make sure to keep it reasonably curious. Don't end up dead, please. Be safe out there. Because we hear that it kills cats. It does. But uh, anyway, yeah. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.